There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are in France. Which means Tubi is more popular than cigarettes for breakfast. It's more popular than considering iced coffee a total abomination. More popular than loving political revolutions. More popular than mer and mer somehow being different words. Tubi. It's more popular than being French. See you in there. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Scared to Death is explicit in every way. Please take care while listening. Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no home, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelles. I'm Dan. Hello, Dan. I'm Lindsay. Hello, Lindsay. Let's start using different names when we check in. Okay. Uh, I'm Greg, and you're... Layla. Layla. All right. <laughs> uh, first, before any horror-related info is addressed, I just want to thank everybody for um, who's already bought tickets to the 2023 Burn It All Down Theater Tour. It is so exciting. Uh, some of the venues are uh, already sold out. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah, adding shows in uh, Boise, St. Louis, uh, Seattle, mm-hmm. and, and maybe a few more. Other yeah. Some other markets are uh, getting really close. We, did, um, we had a lot of grateful cries, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very, very excited. Uh, excited for the, you know, the, the act that is uh, that I'm working on right now and just everything about it. The shows that we just did in Nashville. and So fun. Huntsville, so fun. So uh, tour dates at dancummins.tv for this fall's club dates and the, uh, the, the theater tickets for uh, 2023 Burn It All Down. So uh, thank you again. And also, speaking of tickets... Now tickets on sale just as this episode releases for a new Scared to Death live show, uh, a live virtual show through Moment, same people who hosted last year's Halloween show. And now we're doing Scared to Death Live, Haunted Halloween, True Tales of Hallow's Eve Horror 2. Uh, at least one Halloween theme horror story, maybe four. Bet- between one and four. I'm gonna aim for all f- I'm gonna aim for all of mine to be Halloween themed. Yeah, me too. Me we're, too. We're thinking we're gonna dress up like black eyed children. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Mm-hmm, but we're gonna we're gonna dress up again. We're gonna have a lot of fun. Um, I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be more fun than last year. It's going to be the best it's ever been. The best it's ever been. New so, and improved. So you can go to badmagicmerch.com for those tickets. And again, that's badmagicmerch.com for the tickets to the, uh, Scared to Death Live, Haunted Halloween, True Tales of Hallow's Eve Horror 2, October 27th. That's a Thursday night, 6 p.m. Pacific time, 9 p.m. Eastern time. And, uh, really quick merch announcement, quick, uh, charity announcement, and then we're off and running. Okay, let's do it. Uh, get an Annabelle exclusive in the store this week at badmagicmerch.com. Movie poster style tee featuring a photorealism portrait of an Annabelle doll. Uh, there's one more of like a film adaptation style. Uh, don't worry. We also have got an original Raggedy Ann style tee available as well. 
Uh, also, uh, cryptid alert. I feel like we should have a cryptid button or something at this point. Oh, man. Two awesome new mugs in the drinkware section featuring two super weird cryptids. One daytime, one nighttime scene. Uh, loving this little world of monsters we got going on in the merch store. You can head on over to badmagicmerch.com and check all this stuff out. And then charity. And just to be clear, just yeah. the first item is the only... The first item is the only Annabelle exclusive, and the rest is open for everyone. Okay, great. Just wanted to make sure. And then just rounding out the announcements before we dive in. Uh, as a reminder, this month we donated $16,640. Thank you so much for letting us do that on your behalf. To Kids Rock Cancer, uh, in honor of Jeff, Jeff Burton, Burton mm-hmm. a longtime host, uh, co-host at the Rizzuto Show. And they've given us so much love over the years and just an all-around amazing guy. Uh, If you want more information about Kids Rock Cancer, you can go to kidsrockcancer.org. Really cool program using music therapy to help kids cope. And a shout out to Cassandra over at Kids Rock Cancer. She, I made the donation and then Mm -hmm. they reach out to like give you your receipt and she's a fan and she was just so excited that, you know, we heard the plea of the fans to donate because so many fans are from St. Louis. Yeah. And, you know, it's like you support us. And so we're so happy that like this became a cool reciprocal thing. Yeah. And rest in peace to uh, Jeff Burton. Uh, What an amazing guy. Oh, man. Raise money, uh, you know, like during his kind of his final act uh, for others. You know, it's just crazy. Yeah. So selfless. Uh, How many stories this week, sexy lady. 17,000. 17,000 stories. Yeah, we're going to be here for a while. Okay. Uh, two stories. Huh? I know that's shocking. Huh? And my first story is a weird occurrence at a rest stop. And I don't really know that we've, if we have dove into that before. I don't remember. I don't recall uh, anything set there. I think there's a movie called Rest Stop. Like, maybe that's what was flashing Mm. in my brain while I was uh, prepping that. And then my second story, something we can all relate to, being afraid of the basement. Of course. What's in the basement? Mm -hmm. So many really scary horror stories. I know. uh, Have scenes, you know, in there, in the basement. That's because we can all relate to it, right? It's Mm -hmm. just a common fear. Uh, I have two as well. I love them both. First one's longer than normal. Second one's shorter than normal. Uh, Both, I think, have plenty of scares. Setting for the first story is a murder mystery party. That sounds fun. mm -hmm, The premise, uh, since everyone is in costume, you know, what if someone uh, there is someone you don't know, someone who may not even be alive? Uh, Second story, the short tale of a man haunted by a few weeks of terrible nights from his childhood. Don't want to give away anything other than it may involve a shadow man. So a little bit of setup. Uh, time to showcase your socks, and then we'll settle into this first one. Well, in honor of the beginning of fall and spooky season upon us, let's see. <laughs> it's always hard to find the right angle. What's the right angle here? There you go. Ghostas. Gonna have to get like a sock cam at some point <gasps> since this continues. Oh, my God. We are talking about doing a studio revamp. Mm-hmm. Here so, over the next few months, yeah. So, Tyler, Logan, <laughs> sock cam. <laughs> Funny. Little, All right. little, little GoPro or something. Ooh, also, that's really bad for my hips. That's a bad angle. <laughs> Okay. Oh, oh, no, I forgot my blanket. Oh, no. Oh, well, I'll well, freeze to death. Do you want to go walk over and grab one while I uh, no, start to tell the story? I'm plugged in. You can unplug and walk over. I'll, I'll, I'll keep talking. You go go get your blanket if you want. Should I? Yeah, yeah it's not a big deal at all. Feels, feels no, weird not I'll, to have it. I'll, 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 I'll set up as you go there. Okay, you guys, real time. This is what happens when we go too fast. <laughs> so, well, I've never experienced one myself. Uh, I've known several people who've had a great time either hosting or joining in on a murder mystery party with family and friends. I get the appeal. I'm sure it's fun to pretend to be a mysterious guest who may or may not have murdered someone. It's fun because no one actually dies. At least no one is supposed to. Uh, 
For those of us not familiar with murder mystery parties, a murder mystery party is a themed event where attendees dress up to match an era or genre. The theme could be the Roaring Twenties, Seventies Disco, Victorian England, basically anything that gives you an opportunity to slip into a different character for a couple of hours. At the dinner, guests work together to solve a fictitious murder that occurs during the party, similar to the game Clue. By the end of the party, guests are revealed who the murderer is. Hopefully, they've been able to guess correctly uh, who the murderer was before the night's over and how they did it and why. Much like going to an escape room, murder mystery parties can be a fun team-building exercise for a group of coworkers or simply something different to do with friends or family. Something imaginative, a little outside the box. Maybe more exciting than a night of just talking and drinking or watching a movie. At least that's what the people in our next story would think. But then something would happen that they didn't bargain for. Of course it would. If it didn't, I guess I wouldn't be sharing this story here with all of you listening. Later, the people of this party would wonder if they somehow invited something else in along with their guests. If the costumes and decorations distracted them and allowed someone or something uninvited to take a place at the table and join in for some fun. Time now for the tale of the uninvited. Felix and Kara thought they'd come up with the perfect idea for their college reunion. It was hard to believe that they graduated from their small liberal arts college in Ohio 15 years ago. It seemed like only yesterday that they were putting on their caps and gowns, smiling for cameras, and promising each other that they'd all stay in touch. And most of them had. Felix and Kara's core group of friends included Caleb, Trey, Miriam, and Samira. All of them had been in an a cappella group together that, looking back on it, was nowhere near as good as the pitch-perfect level ensemble they'd aspired it to be, but still they'd had a lot of fun, a lot of uh, drinking too much, going in on mini tours to other colleges to perform, and dreaming of how adult life would feel. After college, most of them had left Ohio, but they'd all made an effort to visit one another at least once a year. Sometimes Trey couldn't make it, like when he was in business school and cramming for exams, or Samira's two young children often meant that she only had a few hours to catch up before she needed to supervise dinner time and bath time. But for the most part, all of them still felt as close as they had been back in college. They were there for each other's children's births, graduate school graduations, and the whole group had even shown up for and been in Felix and Kara's wedding, something that no one would have seen coming when Felix was a dorky 18-year-old and Kara was his popular, attractive, lacrosse-playing hall neighbor. So for the 15th reunion, Kara and Felix wanted to do something more than just meet up and hang. What if we rented out an amusement park? Kara asked, scrolling on her laptop. That way the kids could play somewhere and the adults could chill, family-friendly. Can you even rent out water parks, Felix frowned? Wouldn't that be a bit out of our price range? That sounds like something Jay-Z or somebody would do. <laughs> Not regular plebes like us. They've been going back and forth with ideas for the past three months. While the time until they were all meeting up had dwindled down to a few weeks, and they were still nowhere near landing on anything. You're probably right, Kara said, frowning. She consulted, she consulted a litany of tabs with ideas for other activities on her laptop, and then shook her head. Oh, I forgot. Caleb has to fly out for his brother's wedding that night, so we should probably find something to do close by. Hmm, what's close by? Felix didn't want to admit it, but all of this was giving him a bit of a headache. He didn't know why he and Kara were always the ones in charge of planning. If they all wanted to see each other, why didn't any of the others ever pick up some slack? Was it because he and Kara had stayed in Ohio and taken good steady-paying jobs instead of becoming traveling jet-setters? Was it because they assumed that everyone wanted to get together as badly as they did, but maybe they actually didn't? He never said any of this to Kara, though. She loved this sort of thing. The planning, finding all the right decorations, sending out custom invitations as though they couldn't simply send out the details in a group text. And he had to admit she was good at it. But it was so much work. I don't know, Felix said. I guess we could all just go out to dinner or something. 
Tara frowned. I want to have people over to dinner here. I guess that's better than nothing. Felix could tell that she was on the cusp of giving in and felt a stab of pity. He didn't want to take this away from her. Oh, here's an idea. Felix feigned excitement, or maybe actually felt a little now, as he perched next to Kara on the couch. Remember that thing that they had everyone in my office do a couple weeks back, that murder mystery party thing? Kara raised her eyebrows. You mean the totally cringy thing with the fake names and bad costumes? You think everyone would want to do that? Yeah, that one did suck, Felix admitted, remembering how he and his co-workers had stood in the parking lot and tried to affect old-timey accents. But we could do one that would be so much better, and, and it would be cheap. We could get all the costumes, make characters that we know our friends would like playing, and it could happen right here. He gets her to the living room, and like pizza and movies, up, and, you know, we could have pizza and movies upstairs for the kids. Kara tapped her finger against her bottom lip, a, a gesture she always made when she was thinking. You don't think everyone would find it silly? Not at all, Felix reassured her. Come on, you're the best at planning all the little details, and I've DM'd probably a thousand Dungeons and Dragons campaigns. And Felix added privately to himself, there was no need to pretend like they were still wild 20-somethings. A dinner party was a perfectly normal thing for them to do at their age, and they could make it fun. And if Caleb needs to leave early, we can always kill him off, Felix added, grinning. I mean, kill his character off. Yeah, you're probably right, Kara said. She smiled at her husband. She was coming around to how fun this could be. You really think we can make it cool? I know we can, Felix said. Within weeks, Felix and Kara had all the details sorted out. Mostly, Felix had to admit, because Kara was a machine. They drove to costume stores, picked out pieces, spent late nights writing up character bios for each of their friends. They decided on a 1920s Prohibition-era party theme, since he figured that most of their friends would probably already own a couple of costume pieces from that period. Kara decked out the house in old bottles from Goodwill, fake ostrich feathers, anything that would make their very 21st century living room seem like a speakeasy. But the masterpiece was the invitation, a real wax-sealed letter, handwritten in blood-red ink. You are invited to a very special celebration, it read. This year, at the height of Prohibition, club owner Felix, the son of a successful bootlegger and crime boss, will be throwing a private party for a select group of friends. It is a night of revelry, like many other nights of revelry enjoyed by this group of sophisticates, artists, and hoodlums, until things go horribly wrong. Do you dare to get involved in this deadly mystery? Kara decided that she would play the role of the club's manager, Miss Kara Fontaine, so she could double as a narrator. Everything was set for the night of the party. And at a couple minutes after six, the doorbell rang. Trey, Felix shouted, seeing his old friend's face through the transom. And then he fake coughed and formally stuck out his hand. <clears throat> I mean, Mr. Stockton. Mrs. Stockton. Trey grinned at them. The last 15 years had seen his startup take off, and he looked like it. Dressed in an expensive vintage suit, with a watch glittering at his wrist, the woman next to him was supermodel beautiful, Trey's wife, Annika. How do you do? Trey said, affecting a southern accent. I hope the liquor is flowing. It always is, Kara said, showing them to the well-stocked bar with the old-fashioned crystal glasses they'd found at the Salvation Army. Unless, of course, you're an officer of the law. Him, an officer of the law? What a gas. Annika chimed in. They all laughed, mostly at their own silliness. And Felix felt himself relaxing and enjoying himself. He'd been a bit tense not long before the first of their friends arrived. He started to feel like this party had been a bad idea. For one thing, Kara had decorated their house so well that he almost didn't recognize it himself, giving him a spooky feeling of having walked into the wrong place. And for another thing, some of the antiques were truly creepy, if not outright frightening. Gargoylish figurines with leering faces that glowed by candlelight. Portraits that seemed to watch him as he moved around the room. Felix had never been one for antiques. He didn't believe that they were haunted exactly. You just didn't know where they came from. What kind of person had it before you? 
thinking of all the possibilities sent shivers down his spine. For another thing, Kara had bought their murder mystery party kit on Etsy, a Russian seller from the looks of the packaging, because Felix had no idea what any of the letters read, and parts of it looked just weird. The faces on the little cards that gave people their identities were somehow off, a little too photorealistic for a drawing. Or if they were photos, a little too bendy, maybe? Something. Felix didn't really know how to describe it. He just knew that the one he'd planned on assigning to himself from the description he found online just looked a little too much like him. In fact, he felt that the cards eerily resembled all their friends. And along with the cards were these odd little stones, blood red about the size of a quarter, almost like amulets, but with no chains. What the hell? Kara hadn't seemed bothered by any of this. She just said, oh, weird, and they moved on. And since she wasn't upset by any of this, Felix tried to put it out of his mind. And then when all their guests started to arrive, he truly did forget about it. Samira, or Lady Samira, an English heiress with a dark secret, arrived next with her husband and their adorable kids, who all quickly scooted away upstairs for pizza. A few minutes later, Caleb came in and greeted him with a big bear hug. Felix thumped him on the back, directed him towards the food and alcohol, and then shut the door. His eyes now swept over a nearby mirror, and he leaned in to fix his hair. Ah! A woman he didn't recognize was standing right behind him, reflected in the mirror, wearing a fur coat and a veil over her face. Felix spun around. Where the hell did she come from? Had she walked in with Caleb, and he just didn't notice when he was hugging him? That must have been it. She had to be Caleb's girlfriend. Felix felt bad that he didn't notice, especially since the, the fur coat was such a cool detail. He felt terrible for her. Caleb had just walked away without bothering to introduce her. He was impressed by her costume. That coat took commitment. Must have been hot, seeing as it was the middle of the summer. <laughs> hey, sorry about that. You startled me. Good costume, Felix said. The woman just looked at him blankly. Uh, sorry, Felix said, sensing that he'd made a mistake but couldn't figure out what it was. Maybe she took these games really seriously, and he needed to stay in character. You're a well-dressed dame. A real dish. The woman still didn't say anything and rushed by him. Awkward. He caught a whiff of her perfume as she passed, deep and musky. Strange. Not anything the women, uh, the women his age would have worn. She really went all out. Even her perfume was from a different era. Felix wondered for a moment how he defended her. Was Dame an offensive word? Dish? He couldn't remember. Felix didn't dwell on the encounter long. A couple moments later, he and Kara's friend Miriam, her sister who lived nearby, and both their husbands showed up, each family with a kid in tow. Kara made sure that the kids got upstairs, then Felix, now that all the guests had arrived, rung the bell for the mystery party to begin. All right. Felix announced, still trying to get into character. The Bee's Knees Club is officially open. Please mix, mingle, enjoy the libations, and be careful. We don't want to be raided by any pesky coppers. Boo! Trey shouted. Who wants to go to a careful party? And Felix stuck his tongue out at him. Don't get sore, sir. Control yourself, Monica said, and the group laughed. And then the mingling part of the party commenced. While everyone made an effort to talk in accents and use what was maybe the proper slang for the era, Mostly people were catching up like they normally did when they all reunited, talking about their lives, their careers, their families and spouses, joking around with one another like they had in school. After half an hour or so, Felix took a quick detour to the kitchen to grab some hors d'oeuvres and Kara followed. Do you think it's going well? Kara was smiling from ear to ear, pleased with herself. Felix nodded. I think it's going great, he said. You're awesome. We're awesome, Kara corrected, taking the platter from his hands. Also, do you know who that woman in the fur coat is? I just saw her going upstairs. Maybe she's looking for the bathroom? Felix frowned. M must be the woman who had blown past him after Caleb came in. Uh, Caleb's girlfriend, I think, he said. Weird, Kara said. I thought he broke up with his girlfriend a few months ago. Felix frowned again. I don't know. Maybe his new girlfriend? Or maybe not, he thought to himself. 
He only guessed that because she'd come in right after Caleb. Perhaps he jumped the gun and thinking that they were together. The brain sometimes made baseless associations like that. If not Caleb's girlfriend, though, who? He couldn't think of anyone else that that woman would have come with. Who could she be? He was certain he'd never seen her before in his life. Kara clearly didn't recognize her. And why would she be going upstairs? They had a bathroom right off the living room. Couldn't miss it. I want to go upstairs and see if anyone needs anything, Felix told Kara, his heart now pounding. He felt ridiculous for being nervous, but this mysterious lady was starting to give him the creeps. You're the best, Kara said. She kissed him on the cheek and breezed back into the living room. Clearly, she was not worried about this woman. Felix swallowed and headed out of the kitchen, then to the staircase that led upstairs. It was ridiculous to feel so scared, he told himself. It wasn't just the woman spooking him, though. Even the portraits on the wall, there were shitty secondhand decorations and there was just no way the eyes were actually following him, but it sure felt like it. He started climbing the stairs, feeling his stomach drop with every step. What if it was a stranger? What if they were being robbed right now? And with the kids up there, what could she be doing? He slowly grasped the doorknob on the bedroom and turned it. Ah! A scream rang out through the house, followed by the sound of glass smashing on the ground. The kid just looked up from the TV, oblivious, and it took Felix a second before he realized the sound was coming from downstairs. What's wrong? One of Samira's kids, a little boy named Thomas, asked. Wait here. Felix dashed downstairs, his heart pounding in his ears. He skidded to a stop in the living room and promptly felt ridiculous. He'd forgotten that he and Kara had downloaded some sound effects to her phone to play when the murder part of the storyline happened. From the looks of it, Kara was in the middle of her speech explaining what had happened. Uh, everything okay, honey? She asked, her brow furrowing. Are the kids okay? Samira said, getting up. I should have mentioned that Thomas is in this phase where he cuts other kids' hair, so if you have any scissors lying around... No, no, everything's fine. Felix reassured them, embarrassed that he'd unintentionally made himself the center of attention. I just... I, I just... I forgot about the sound effects, he added, blushing. I got concerned. No big deal. Well, I should say it is a big deal, Kara continued in her stage voice, evidently trying to save the ambiance and deliver the news of the murder... For a young flapper named Judy James has been murdered in the storeroom of the Bees Knees Club. Why was Judy in the storeroom? Did she know something she wasn't supposed to? And who could be responsible for such an act of cruelty? As Kara spoke, Felix forced himself to relax. He obviously was overreacting. Maybe he just imagined the strange woman in the fur coat in the first place. Overactive nerves from the pressure of putting on a big night. But no, that wasn't true. Hadn't Kara said she'd seen her too? Felix's palms started to sweat. He was now looking carefully around every room for the woman, trying to find her among the groups of his friends chatting about motives and weapons. Okay, Felix thought, just breathe. Think. Then he spotted Caleb coming out of the kitchen. Maybe he could clear up some of this once and for all. That is some crazy decorations you have in there, Caleb said, shaking his head with an expression halfway between dazed and something else. I mean, I mean, you guys really went all out. I need to ask you a question, Felix said, ignoring his friend's comment. Yeah, of course, Caleb nodded. Just one thing. Whose idea was the blood? Like yours or Kara's? The, the what? Felix blinked. And to hire an actor to be the body? That's crazy. You guys usually go all out, but this is nuts. Did it cost a ton of money? He laughed a little nervously. I, I mean, that's really intense. There's kids here, you know. Felix's mouth went dry. Did what cost a lot of money? Caleb looked at him, his expression morphing into something more concerned. The woman in the kitchen, covered in blood. I almost checked her pulse. She seemed that realistic. Her limbs were all tangled up. Even her neck looked broken. And the stage makeup. I thought I actually saw someone with their throat slit ear to ear. Caleb, Felix said, we didn't hire an actor. Caleb frowned. Uh, so it's, it's what? Some kind, of, some kind of dummy? Some kind of special effects prop? I mean, that blood was hot. At least it looked hot. So how'd you... Caleb, Felix stared at his friend. That's not anyone we know. Or a prop. 
Oh, oh, fuck. What? Caleb's expression immediately sobered. She was dead. I swear. She was in the kitchen. Both men now took off for the kitchen, but when Felix threw the door open, the room was spotless. Just a few crumbs from the appetizers on the kitchen counter. No blood, no woman, nothing. Something really weird is going on, Felix said. I, I swear she was here. Kayla replied, holding a hand up. The blood was pooling. Even got on my shoes. They both looked down, and on a corner of Caleb's left loafer, Felix did see a tiny smear of blood. Fuck, Felix breathed. Caleb, please tell me that you have a girlfriend. Caleb blinked at him, evidently not making the connection, and then answered, no, man, we, we broke up three months ago. Shit, Felix thought to himself. His stomach sank. We need to get the kids downstairs, he said, heading out of the kitchen. Caleb nodded and followed. What, what, what's happening? There's someone here, Felix looked around, his mouth set in a tight, grim line. Someone we did not invite. He didn't say that that someone may or may not have been alive. From the wide-eyed look Caleb gave him, maybe Caleb already knew. Then Felix remembered the cards. The cards had everyone's characters on them. The cards looked way too much like his friends. Would she be on there? Come with me, he told Caleb. I need to check something. They, as they ran to the front door where he'd had everyone pick up their cards when they came in, Felix hurriedly explained the cards. He explained how everyone just looked a little too similar to the illustrations. So you think Caleb trailed off looking as scared and determined as Felix felt? You think she might be on there? Felix nodded. It was all they had to go on. They stopped in the foyer and Felix gasped. There was one card left on the entryway table, a brunette woman in a fur coat. And the hallway faintly smelled like her perfume. No, 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 no. Bam! Felix felt something collide with the back of his head and he staggered forward, crashing into the table. Then Caleb's weight was on his back, his fist pummeling into Felix's head. Why would you do this? Why would you do this to me? Caleb screamed. Felix struggled to turn around and almost wished he hadn't. What had been a familiar face, the face of the guy he'd roomed with for two years, was now distorted and red, screaming at him. I thought we were friends! Why would you do this to me? Help! Felix screamed. Though he felt like he couldn't get enough air, Caleb was still on top of him, pressing him down. Kara, help! Caleb's hands were around his windpipe now. Felix wanted to believe that this was not happening, that he was hallucinating, but his vision was going dark at the corners, collapsing in. Was he going to die only a few feet away from his wife and friends at his own murder mystery party? Suddenly, the weight of Caleb's body slumped off of him, and Felix blinked, spotting Kara and Trey behind them. Kara was holding a prop gun that they designated as the murder weapon. Now it was actually bloody. Her face was bloody, too, her ivory skin sprinkled with crimson dots, and then everything went dark. When Felix woke up, he was in the living room. Annika, holding a wet rag to his forehead. All the other partygoers had gone. The decorations were in a pile by the doorway. What? Felix trailed off. Shh, Annika said. And then she explained how Trey and Kara had pulled Caleb off of him. How he'd been babbling about what you guys did to me. Maybe it was just stress, Annika said. I mean, you know, after the stuff with Leighton. Huh? Felix blinked. Leighton? That sounds familiar. You mean Caleb's ex? I thought they broke up. Annika's face went ashen. I guess that's one way to put it, she said. Felix, Leighton's dead. She explained that Caleb was supposed to pick Leighton up one night, but he'd gone out with some work buddies before, got too drunk, then went home and passed out. And that Leighton had decided to just walk over to his apartment. It was midnight, the streets dark, and according to what a witness later told police, in the yellow glow of the streetlight, she thought she could see someone following her. She ran out into the street trying to avoid them and got hit by a car. <gasps> Died on impact. Caleb had been struggling with blaming himself ever since, and seeing Leighton's face clearly on the card made him snap. Or what he thought was Leighton's face, Annika corrected herself. I'm sure it was just a trick of light. Felix was not so sure. He knew what he'd seen then, and later, after several moments of inpa or several months of inpatient therapy, Caleb would confirm it. It didn't just look like Leighton. The picture on the card had been her. Something had sent her back to them. How? Why? 
They try not to think about these questions because no amount of thinking gets them any closer to the answers, but their minds drift back towards it, all, all the same, constantly. Leighton, she was the woman that Felix and Kara had seen in the fur coat, her face hidden behind the veil, but they were certain it was her. After that, Felix and Kara wouldn't do any more murder mystery parties or any kind of costume parties. They want to be certain that no one uninvited would ever mingle amongst them like that ever again. That is a weird story. <laughs> it is, right? There's a lot to follow. Mm-hmm. My brain hurts a tiny bit. Yep, some twists in there. Yeah, so like, just so that I understand it, mm-hmm. so it would a- a- appear that Leighton somehow came back to them. Yeah, showed up at this murder mystery party. But like, the ca- I think what was throwing me off was like the cards. They got this... Murder mystery, like, you know, like we've done escape yeah. rooms at home, like, right? Yeah. Like, I just imagine you get like this box of murder mystery, yeah, like, uh, like a kit. Sorry, mm-hmm. that's the word I'm looking for. Okay. And then as Kara and uh, Felix are opening it, they're like, yeah. oh, that's weird. Like, this looks just like John. This, yeah. this looks exactly. just like Samir or whatever their friends' names like, are. Like the clue cards, if, if Professor Plum looked exactly like uh, Isaac, one of our friends, and we were having a party with all these people and all the characters. Like Uncanny Valley almost? Yeah, like look really weirdly like the people that were coming over. Okay. And, and then the people show up and they're actually dressed like the people on the cards. They match the cards. Yeah. Okay, I missed that. Okay, okay, okay. And so yeah. then... Uh, Leighton, mm-hmm. the, the girlfriend or mm-hmm. former. The former girlfriend is on one of the cards. And her card never gets claimed. Right. Okay, okay, like, okay. Right, because they, uh, they they left. That like, is so weird. Yeah, it sounded like they left a card. Maybe Casey brought somebody new or something. Or, or maybe like, the, they got the back box. together because he, he didn't tell them that she had died. So when they were sending out the cards, they knew that they broke up. Yeah. But didn't know that. Um, so I'm, I, I that assume that died. maybe they were covering their bases. Like, well, if they get back together, if you bring someone else. Yeah, or just that like they ordered this kit and there was an oh, extra person yeah, in the yeah, kit. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Ugh. Also, sounds like a lot of fun. I mean, <laughs> barring the the like actually scary stuff. I've never done one of these, but I'm like, you know what? If you did it right, mm-hmm. that could be fun just for something different. I know. I think like if you if you live in the Coeur d'Alene area, I'm pretty certain that the Greenbrier downtown, yeah. uh, like 315, yeah. I'm pretty sure that around this time of year, they do murder mysteries. You know what? I I, I did kind of like she, Kara mentioned earlier, like uh, cringy, corny. Maybe I'm just getting old, but now I'm like, okay, I would try it. I would do it. Yeah, just, you know, fun excuse to dress up and be goofy. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. So no pits attached to this story. Uh, uh, this came up under a search for how to dress for a murder mystery party. Funny. I was just impressed by how Ooh. incredible their makeup is. That's really good. Yeah, they're dressed up as skeletons. For those of you not uh, able to see these pictures on Instagram or Facebook, um, at Scared to Death Podcast, they, yeah, they just have this, like, skeleton, like, Dead groom and bride outfit, and the makeup is so good, like it covers their all their exposed skin. Yeah, I think that's the, like her hands wow. are what like really gets me. Yeah, and I don't know if they're, they must be wearing like contacts or something to make their eyes look a little bit different. Yeah, but man, that is cool. And I have one more. I just also thought this was impressive. Nothing else I I could find came close to how good I thought these costumes were. So just a good skeleton face. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cool little skull. And with the nose blacked out like that, it does give that effect of like the nose being missing. Yeah. Like, like the skin of the nose. Uh-huh. It makes me that we're watching Stranger Things right now. Mm. And there's finally we're catching up on season four. Some scary people in there and their noses are all Yeah. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Ichiwawa. So do you have any uh any other questions on that story? Okay, can I just tell you one particular thing stood out to me that is not scary at all? Yeah. Uh the Felix, I, I guess, said like, oh, 
something, something like the plebes we are. I'm like, oh, you must be my kid's age because Kyler loved <laughs> to say plebes for like a year. <laughs> yeah, he that, did go through a plebes phase. Oh, man. I remember hearing plebes years ago, too. It like comes and goes. It's, it's never like super popular, I feel like, but like, oh, you plebe. I, I'd never heard anybody use it that way until Kyler, and it Funny. was so annoying because, <laughs> of course, like with all kids, yeah, he just it, couldn't beat it stop. In the ground. Yeah. yeah, it was plebes. And there was one before that, too, that was like, okay, buddy. I can't think of it right now. Ah, kids, 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 kids. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, yeah. And I, I did make a note that, because at first it didn't register with me that the problem came from the the box of cards or whatever. Like, I, I still can't quite figure out how exactly Leighton would have infiltrated mm. that and, like, taken control of that game. I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but I yeah. had initially thought that when you were talking about how Kara had decorated their house with various antiques, and then when he saw, it was, I mean, it was a good misdirect. When yeah. when he saw the woman in the fur coat in the mirror, I thought for sure one of the antique decorations they brought in like was cursed or something. Mm-hmm. Had something attached to it. Yep, yep. And then no, I that's thought, what like, I thought too. And then I was like, oh, I wonder if like multiple things are going to show up in this story, mm-hmm. like this thing from this, you know, painting they got, and then like yeah. another thing from this mirror that they got. And like, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a, that's a Sophie uh, Evans found that one. And I was surprised too. Like I thought it was going one direction. Yeah. And I did not see the turn into Layton. And I really didn't see the uh, turn into um, Caleb attacking Felix. Yeah. Like, uh, but thinking that he had been like set up, he's feeling this guilt for months mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. his girl. And then thinking that it has been staged to like, make a fool of him or something. He's maybe yeah. just a little bit drunk too and the weird body. And yeah, yeah, that was, it was, I thought of it, yeah, I liked it. it, it was, interesting it twist. Twi- twi- yeah, I was just gonna say it was twisty turny. Yeah, I, I liked it too. Totally different. Uh, now it's time to leave it though and go to a little Shadow Man story. Yeek. Right after today's mid-show sponsor break. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What are the things that weigh you down on a day-to-day basis? What kind of stress are you holding on to? Do you spend much of your day going over things in your brain over and over until they are so distracting it affects your mental health? Well, don't worry. You're not alone. We all carry different stressors, some big, some small. When we keep things bottled up, the results can be negative. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest without fear or judgment. It's a place to work through what is heavy on your mind and heart so that you can feel lighter and happier. I'm always holding on to something. It's the way my anxious brain works. I'm continually worried that I've done something wrong, that I've hurt the feelings of someone I love, and that I have let someone down. I'm stressed that I'm not being a good enough mom or wife. I panic that our life will implode at any given moment and it'll all be my fault. Thankfully, I have an amazing therapist who helps me talk through each of these scenarios. After each and every appointment, I feel lighter, happier, and more capable of showing up as my most authentic self. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash scared to death today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash scared to death. There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are golden retrievers. Which means Tubi is more popular than using meat-flavored toothpaste. More popular than never figuring out what W-A-L-K spells. More popular than kicking your leg when a human rubs your belly just right. Tubi. It's more popular than golden retrievers. See you in there. Summer is just around the corner. Who's excited? I know I am. 
With the warmer, sunnier days calling your name, the last place you're going to want to be is in your kitchen, cooking and meal prepping. Make your life easier with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Factors Never Frozen, Always Fresh Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Think of all the extra time you will get outside in the summer sun when you aren't wasting hours in the kitchen. I think I speak for everyone when I say that the summer is the busiest time of the year. We are all trying to cram in as many things as possible, from concerts to vacations and everything in between. With Kyler home from college and Monroe on her break too, I want to spend as much time as possible with them. And while I truly love to cook, the summer is the one time of year that I'm the least interested in doing that for three meals a day. So I lean on Factor to help keep me healthy and in step with my diet. I'm obsessed with the honey yogurt pancakes for breakfast, the pork El Pastor for lunch, and the cilantro lime barramundi for dinner. So easy and saves me so much time. Head to factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 and use code scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code scared to death 50 at factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Thanks for listening to our sponsors, Creeps and Peepers. No setup on the short and not so sweet one. Just going to dive right in. Okay, let's do it. Time now for the tale of Danny Shadowman. Oh. Danny grew up in an ordinary suburban house in Windsor, Ontario. Not this Danny. I know. It's, oh, I'm already uncomfortable. For the most part, he had an ordinary childhood. He now looks back on his childhood with mostly fond memories. Back in the 80s when he was growing up, his neighborhood was alive with friendly people, and he was close to lots of different family. He was lucky. But also, he spent most of his childhood dreading the dark. He still dreads the dark. The days are great, but the night. With the night comes the fear that it'll happen again. Something did happen. Only on a few different occasions, but those few occasions were enough to give him nightmares that have continued to this day. It all started one night in 1985 when Danny was seven. About my age, too. I know. I don't care for that. In the middle of the night, he awoke feeling the strangest sensations. He couldn't see straight. He could feel the blood pumping through his brain. He tried to get himself up and sit upright, but the room started to be seemed to be moving. Not in one direction, not spinning. More like the dimensions of the room kept changing. The walls would suddenly seem closer then much further away. The ceiling would be higher, much, much higher than he knew it was. And then the next moment, it would seem to be just above his face, like he was going to pin him to the bed and smother him. Then he finally managed to find his voice amidst all this disorientation, and he cried out for his mom, Emily. As Emily came running into his room, everything stopped. The room was normal again, and he felt fine, just very scared and a bit lightheaded. Emily figured he just had a bad dream, and she tried to comfort him. She covered him with a special quilt and settled down next to him until he fell back asleep. After she returned to her own bed, later that night, Danny awoke again. Now his throat felt tight, and he started coughing uncontrollably. This time his dad ran in to check on him. It was dark, but Danny could still make out his dad's shadow standing in his doorway as his dad told him he would go get him some water. Then he headed to the kitchen. After he heard his dad's footsteps walk away from his room, Danny froze with fear. His dad was gone. He just heard him leave, but a shadow still loomed in the doorway. He knew for certain it wasn't his dad. He didn't think it was even a person. Danny's seven-year-old mind could not comprehend what he was seeing. There were no features at all, almost as if a shadow had detached itself from a body and was just wandering around on its own. Danny tried to look away, telling himself it was just his imagination, but when he turned his head to the side, the shadow flew across the room and now stopped inches from his face. Danny now was caught staring into its black, featureless face. He was frozen with fear, gasping for breath. Just then, his dad entered the room with a glass of water and the shadow disappeared, as if nothing had ever happened. 
Danny told his dad everything that had happened through his tears. His father, like his mother earlier, just thought he'd had a bad dream or was shaken up from the bad dream he'd had before. The next morning, Danny woke up sick. His mother came into his room to wake him and found her son suffering from fever, nausea, and coughing. And he would remain sick for a while. And after two weeks passed with no improvement, his parents were understandably very worried. They called a doctor. Over the course of the next three months, they would try a variety of different medications. Nothing seemed to completely cure whatever was ailing him. Emily was now beside herself, convinced she might lose her son. In her desperation, she called a medium to the house. Danny told this woman about the shadow man he saw right before he got sick. Emily had always believed in spirits, but never thought she would be in a position where the spiritual world might be attacking her family like this. The medium, a pleasant lady in her early 30s, walked around the house and spoke to Danny and told his parents she believed this entity, entity had latched onto him. And ever since making contact that night, it had been absorbing his energy and making him sick. She cleansed Danny's family's home, and Danny and his parents hoped for the best. Shortly after she left, Danny woke up again in the middle of the night. His room was lit up with a bright white light, and he saw what he described as a two-foot-tall female figure wearing a veil, spinning to the bottom of his bed like a ballerina inside a jewelry box. He stared at the figure in front of him, transfixed. She spun around in circles for what felt like around 15 minutes before fading away into white light. Instead of fear, Danny felt a sense of childish wonder at what he'd seen. When he woke up the next morning, his parents were relieved to find that he was feeling quite a bit better. And then it wasn't long before he was feeling almost as good as he had before, and Danny was able to go back to school. Emily commemorated the occasion with a photo of him dressed in his school clothes, standing in front of a dresser with a mirror above it. Things seemed to finally settle down for a couple weeks until, once again, Danny woke up to the feeling of everything being distorted. He felt like he would vomit, and he was terrified that the shadow person might be back. And then the next night, Danny and Emily were kept awake by the sound of footsteps in the house. They could distinctly hear someone walking around the kitchen, coming upstairs, stopping outside of Danny's bedroom, and then repeating the same path. After the first time, Emily left her room to check on Danny and then slept in bed with him. The cycle continued all night. Whenever Danny's dad went to check, he was now hearing it too, he'd find nothing amiss in the house. This became a nightly occurrence that went on for several weeks. Danny and his parents were sleep-deprived, scared, had no idea what to do to make the sounds go away. But then, without ever calling in anyone else to help, the footsteps, inexplicably, stopped as suddenly as they had started. One night it was peaceful, and they never heard the footsteps again. Slowly, the family started to relax. The family thought they were free of spiritual interference, and life seemed to get back to normal pretty quickly, and it would remain normal for about five years. But then, when Danny was 13 years old, something came back. He woke up one night to the sight of a silhouette of a man by his bedroom wall. His heart skipped a beat as all the horrible memories of his childhood came rushing back. The silhouette seemed to notice he was awake and ducked behind a dresser, but Danny could still see a shadowy head poking out. As he opened his mouth to scream, the shadow man began to crawl across the floor towards his bed. Danny felt a sudden rush of adrenaline, jumped out of bed, running to his parents' room to tell them someone was in the house. His dad grabbed a baseball bat and searched the house from top to bottom, but found the house completely empty, other than the uh, family. A short while later, the family were looking through a box of old photographs when Danny's mom picked up the photo she had taken on Danny's first day back to school, back when he was five. Looking at the old photo, she saw something she'd never noticed before. In the mirror, behind Danny in the photo, was the clear image of a woman in a veil. Danny's now been an adult for many years. Long ago, he moved out of his family's home. It's been almost three decades since all this ended, but he still cannot sleep without the light on, saying, I never went to bed without the light on, and I never will. That's my reality. Danny claims he still feels a presence following him, though he hasn't seen the shadow man since that last night or the veiled woman since earlier in his childhood. He firmly believes the shadow man is still creeping around in the shadows near him, though. 
Although he tries to put the past behind him, he now lives with the constant worry that the shadowy figure might come back and reveal itself to him at any moment. He has no idea what it wants or why it ever appeared to him in the first place. All he knows is that whenever the sun sets, until it rises again, he doesn't feel safe. What a terrible way to go through life. Yeah. Just like that constant feeling of looking over your shoulder. Just anxiety and dread. Yeah. I feel like Danny himself needs to be cleansed. I'm not mm-hmm. quite sure why he hasn't done that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe there's more to it, but it's like, you know, if that medium came before and they had some peace after she was there, then you would have a history of thinking like, oh, okay, this this works. Yeah. Go find a shaman. Go find a priest. Like, whatever you're, a lot, whatever you align with. Maybe he's tried other things and they haven't worked and just wasn't mentioned in the post. I don't know. As soon as you said the thing about, then his mom took a picture of him. I was like, uh-oh, what's in the mirror? Mm-hmm. I knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know when. Yeah. Ah. I wonder who that little ballerina lady was. She's, yeah, she's know, like, clearly like, trying to protect him. Yeah, yeah. I wonder that too. Yeah. I was thinking about too, like how many times as a kid, you know, I would be in bed and then like I would have a bad dream and like call for my mom or or just as a parent, you just check mm-hmm. on your kid. Mm-hmm. Think about little you looking at the doorway, Ugh. seeing your respective <sighs> parent or parents leave the doorway <sighs> and then yeah, like that is so creepy the shape lingers because mm-hmm. there can also be that trick of light where like sometimes your shadow does kind of linger it's just yeah. like the way the light well, you know the, fills the space where you were and in that instance the shape lingers you turn oh, over God. like you roll over to not look at it anymore and then this the, and then that shape just <laughs> like sucks around and is right in your face <sighs> so now it's not just like uh some kind of lingering Ooh. vision of like what you what your dad actually was Ew. yeah yeah, yeah, especially as a little kid. Mm-hmm. And then to have that go away, but then have like the footsteps, you know, a couple weeks of the footsteps. That's super I know, creepy on that's its own. That's really weird. And the fact that the whole family could hear them. Mm-hmm. I really thought it was in the house as opposed to yeah. attached to him. Mm-hmm. And then and then f- you know, five years of peace and then uh, have that thing show back up and then just kind of go away again with no one coming in this time. And then now you're always wondering when it's going to be back. When's it going to be back? I know that might be the worst part of all of it. Like seeing something, yes, terrible, mm-hmm. getting rid of it awesome it coming back mm-hmm. more terrible because yeah. you just don't i don't know like how to me it would be almost like uh like living with some horrible disease where it just oh yeah n- not even like cancer where you're like going in for like regular checkups <sighs> yeah just something i don't even know what it would be but just something awful that like just pops up mm-hmm. and you have like no vi- way of predicting it some viral thing where it's like it can go into dormancy for a mm-hmm. long time and you just never know when it's going to pop off again ah uh, no picks with that one either, unfortunately. But oh. I was hoping to find a pick of that woman in the in the mirror, or but couldn't. Uh, this pick is just from an old episode of The Twilight Zone. Oh boy, yep, that does it. The Shadow Man, the boy in the shadow behind him. Yeah, no thanks. Creepy. That and, would be terrible in the context of that story. Well, and like, what would be worse? <laughs> is it worse to see it in the moment? Yeah. Like as you're looking in the mirror, or is it worse to have so, a photo developed and then oof. see it? Oh God! Almost worse later because then you're always wondering: Is it there right now? Is yep. it there right now? That's what I was thinking. And then just one more uh, nice creepy pick from the interweb of a shadow in the doorway. Yep. Yep. No thanks. Or the softness around the head mm-hmm. of that is like, and the head, the head, the distance from the head shape. to the shoulder. Yeah. Ooh. When you said. Um, it was like his dad was separated from his shadow, mm-hmm. had one really sweet thought. I'm like, oh, sort of like in Peter Pan, wouldn't like you lose your shadow? <laughs> um, it was a nice shadow. Maybe. I mean, mm. clearly not. Yeah. But, ugh. Ugh. Good stories, Dan. Thank you. 
What if I was just like, I'm done now? <laughs> yeah, I got the I got the chills uh, thinking about that scenario when you brought back up at the end of that story. The the just that whole just putting yourself in that kid's position. Oh yeah, I know. Just like because it's such a an easy thing to relate to. It's like we've all. I don't know, like even sometimes now the kids will be in bed and I'll just, you know, they're in their rooms chilling out. I'll go see them before they go to sleep and just mm -hmm. leaning in the doorway, chatting them up. That's terrifying. <laughs> yep. Woo, buddy. Woo, buddy Woo, boy. buddy. Woo, buddy. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, so you're going with... Al albino squish. <laughs> the Layla the with unformed. no face. The The faceless man. Mm -hmm. what, what is it from Game of Thrones? The man with the man has no face. The man with no... The God of many yes. faces. Oh, yeah. The, the, says yes. The man with no face. The God yeah. of many faces. The God. The of man with no face. The man, the man with, with no face. face. Yeah. Yeah. Who shows up? That actor shows up in Stranger Things season four. And I was like, oh yeah, that guy. I know. I didn't put it together until you told me. I was like, oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well. I think so. I didn't look him up, but I'm like, sure. It seems like I, that guy. I, it seems like it. The more yeah. he talks, the more I'm like, uh, his mm -hmm. um, his, his mannerisms. Yeah. Yeah. We're not we're not totally caught up. I'm pretty excited to watch some more Stranger Things. It's Look, been scaring you this it's been season. Fucking scaring me. Yeah. I know I'm not doing well. <laughs> My friends keep asking, like, are you okay? Maybe it's that show. Maybe I'm not okay. Oh man. It is scarier. Uh, it is I will say. way scarier. Monroe I, told I, me I, that. I like it. Yeah. Monroe was like, Oh, it's complete it's a complete departure. It's way scarier. Cause in previous seasons you could kind of like, you know, you, you understood that it was that, totally completely fake. For me, it went it went like it went from Dungeons and Dragons primary kind of like like, like basis to more of like horror film. I mean, it still has that gaming, you know, Dungeons and Dragons feel world to it. Yeah. But, but it's more like a horror movie now. Yeah. It's really scary. It's a darker campaign. Yeah. I do like it though. And I, it's like the series is created by, I forget, some brothers. But I'm like, oh, you guys should write horror movies. The Duffer Brothers. Duffer. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I was going to, I was going to say something else like the, the Dunder Brothers, but. The Dingle Brothers. Dingleberry Brothers. Dingleberry Brothers. You get it. <laughs> okay. Road trips. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Ro like pit stops or truck stops. Yeah, like Rest areas. Yeah. Man, they are inherently creepy. Especially, I have been, you know, especially when I would drive long distances to shows in like remote locations early on with stand-up. I wondered. Uh, you know, you would. You would like, you're, you pull into some rest area where there's just a bunch of long haul kind of truck. You know, they have their parking lot, but a lot of them are, in, are asleep mm -hmm. or you assume they're asleep. They're in their sleepers. And then there's, you know, maybe just a few or maybe no cars and you don't know who might be coming in behind Ooh. you. And so, and, and I'd be by myself for a lot of these trips. So I just pull in alone, you know, go into this rest area. It might be midnight out in the middle of nowhere. Would you have like a flashlight or like a no, mace be, or a knife or no, a gun? Nothing. Nothing. And then you just walk in and... Yeah, it is eerie. I wasn't even thinking of like um, other person, but like if you saw some creepy paranormal thing, oh, it's like, fudge. man, that'd be a scary, scary moment to see it. Yeah, that'd be terrible. There's even like, a, I think rest stops, truck stops, I think they're creepy in the middle of the day. Mm. They just like, they, they, I don't know, maybe it's too many stories like from the, like the late 80s, early 90s of like people being abducted at them or like, yeah. you know, uh, missing people reports. And, and and there have been some serial killers who have been like truck stop killers who have like picked up women, you know, and yeah. as a woman it's different where they've like picked up women, kidnapped them, tortured, you know, all the, yeah. all the horrible things. All the horrible things. There's a truck stop 
and way station between like Spokane and where we get off for our house, like in Post Falls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I have Just had outside of town, yeah. Yeah, I've had like an emergency bathroom situation where I'm like, I have to pee so bad, I'm yeah, not going to make sure. it. And I went there and it was middle of the day because I was like, well, that's my best option. Mm-hmm. I was still freaked out. Yeah. And there were people around, but it's like it butts up to the woods a little bit. Mm-hmm. And just that idea of like if something happens to you, if you're abducted on the side of a freeway, essentially. Yeah. Good luck them ever finding you because they're already like they don't have to get out of town. They are out of town. They're hauling yeah, ass. Totally. Eeky, eeky, eeky. Okay. Well, I don't know. Also, like driving alone in the dark. Like you're talking about these gigs you would go to. Mm-hmm. I'm already afraid to drive alone in the dark because I think like, who's following me? Mm-hmm. Where am I going? Like it just, I always think something's going to pop up in the backseat, which I know is yeah. not going to happen, but. And it is different for like a, a woman driving alone. Just to, you know, stats show that. Well, yeah, I'd be so afraid yep, if something yep, happened. Yep, you got more to worry about, unfortunately. For sure. For sure. Well, let's find out what's going on at this particular little truck stop situation. Mm-hmm. Hey, Lindsay and Dan and the rest of the team. I'm a time sucker, just became a space lizard. And once I caught up there, I started with the other bad magic shows. Scared to Death was an easy choice for me, and I've made it to episode 50, and now I'm ready to share my story. I'll start with a little bit of backstory and setup. My family has been dealing with the paranormal for quite a while. When my grandfather was younger, he lived in Germany. He and his friends held a seance in which they used a Ouija board both before and during the seance. Afterwards, the family saw all sorts of paranormal activity, from a man's face changing into one like a cat, to a visible apparition floating above my uncle's crib saying the Lord's Prayer backwards. What? I know. The thing that forced them to GTFO was when a shadow aggressively chased my grandfather down a flight of stairs. The constant paranormal activity followed them back to the U.S., and my mom grew up aware of this phenomenon. My parents and I were stationed at a base that was known for having paranormal activity. Lucky for me, I was also able to tap into the ability to see things from the other side. The story goes that as a small child, I would watch things that only I and or our cats could see. After my dad left the military, my family moved back home to Midwest Texas to an old home in an old neighborhood in an oil town. More unexplainable shenanigans followed us. The final straw for my mom was when she saw a shadow man wearing a hat when she woke up in the middle of the night. He leaned into her bedroom doorway and pointed at my dad. Scowling, it turned towards my crib, pointed at me, and then vanished. Within a week, mom and I were gone. She'd been planning to leave my dad anyways, and the divorce papers had been ready to go. I grew up fairly skeptical of everything from religion to science. I've had enough personal paranormal experiences to assure me that there is more out there than we know. I don't know what lurks in the darkest shadows, and I don't want to. The stuff I've come across while reaching lucid dreams and astral projecting is enough to warrant caution. All of this plants me firmly on Team Crystals. (laughs) On to the reason I wrote y'all. About 15-ish years ago, my mom and I were visiting family down in Texas. All had been smooth sailing until the trip back. My grandfather was stuck in Truth or Consequences, New Mexico at a veteran's home. He was a real piece of work, and my mom was the only one of his kids to try and keep in touch with him. He was our last stop, and when we left him, we headed northbound, the sun setting around us. Later that night, about an hour or so from Rattan, the weight of a large drink and an average bladder started to take its toll (laughs) on me. Thankfully, we soon saw signage indicating a rest stop ahead. It was your usual harmless rest stop, but that night, something felt off. 
There were absolutely no other cars or trucks in the parking lot. And my mom had been driving and previously noted feeling sketched out by the lack of cars going in either direction for quite a while. The car slowed to a stop in the closest spot to the restrooms. As we started to get out of the car, my mom told me to wait. She said something didn't feel right and motioned for me to come back to her. I had made it about halfway to the restrooms when I stopped to look back at my mom. Every bit of teenage angst and annoyance melted instantly when I saw my mom go pale. Get back in the car now, she screamed at me. I turned towards the bathroom to see what she was freaking out about. Part of me regrets that. The door to the restrooms was slowly opening on its own. There was no light coming from... There was no light coming from beyond the doorway. I don't mean that the lights were turned off. I mean there was nothing on the other side of that door where a bathroom should be. The moon was high and bright and should have been pouring through the windows located high upon the building. There wasn't another person around. No one was opening that door. It was just slowly opening in a way that made you wonder who was on the other side pushing the door open. And then I saw it, the thing that had my mom screaming, the thing opening the door. It was round and floated at about chest height. It looked like if you took a basketball and coated it in light-absorbing paint and floated it into an aura of fog. Mm. I ran to the car. My mom was already starting it. She backed out of that spot as fast as the car allowed. The thing noticed us and stopped moving. As my mom gunned it, she told me to keep an eye on it. I turned around in my seat and watched out the back window. The thing started towards the car but at a slow pace, and I thought we were safe. I kept checking behind us, and at first, I didn't see anything. Moonlit road, trees, stars, black spot. Black spot, shit, it was chasing our car. It started to creep closer and closer. Every street lamp we passed flickered and blinked out as we passed under it. Inch by inch, foot by foot, it got closer to our car. I kept watching it get closer and closer with every every turn we took down the windy road. On the horizon, we could see the faint glow of Rattan's truck stop. However, behind us was that thing. It was close enough that we could see our our taillights reflecting off its surface, especially the eyes. I want to call them eyes, but there was no pupil, more like fly eyes, compound Mm. eyes filled with malice. As we closed the distance... As we closed the distance between us and the safety of the nicely lit truck stop, the thing made a final lunge at us. It suddenly gnarled, revealing a toothy orifice I hadn't seen until now. It came at us, full of anger, with its mouth full of fangs, looking like it wanted to take a bite out of us or our car. Somehow, it missed, and we made it to the safety of the truck stop. Once we had stopped and caught our breath, we bravely got out of the car to use the restrooms. As we made our way back to the car, we noticed on the back of the car several long but shallow scratches along the trunk and the back bumper. I guess that thing also had hands and was trying to pull us into its orb. And that's it. We never figured it out. We don't know what it was, but that was fine with me. Thanks for the amazing content and for being awesome. Shout out to my coworker, Alan. I convinced him to check out The Suck, and now he's trying to catch up on all Bad Magic Productions' backlog. He's helped me through some difficult times, and I'm always grateful for him. Thanks for taking the time to read this story. Here's to many more episodes and uneventful times, Richard. <laughs> Thanks, Richard. Uh, so the truck, the truck stop was actually the uh, the place of solace, the the place to get to. Well, the second, the truck second stop. one, the second yeah, one. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was interesting at the end. Yeah, yeah. That like you would go from one to the next after seeing something shitty. Yeah, like a like a. <laughs> 
uh, funny that we just talked about Stranger Things right before that because whatever the, the hell that thing was, like mm-hmm. with the, the the mouth and the, the little fly eyes and the, the dark orb floating, it felt like a creature from the upside down. Oh, yeah, yeah, because they say like in Stranger Things, it's like, do you see sort of like black particles floating uh-huh. around? Yeah. And it's just these weird creatures, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yee. I thought it was pretty interesting how it sounds like it starts as just this like black ball of it, nothingness or something yeah and then it like it sounds like if, if i were in this position like what i would see coming at me is just this like floating orb but then slowly it evolves where you, now it has eyes it has teeth and like clearly it had hands because it was reaching out for them like it didn't seem to appear as a full creature at first mm-hmm. but it sort of like envelops you got more power unfolds. as it went when it went on yeah feeding on their fear but that's like, I every time I go into the bathroom here at the studio, I yeah. it has like the um, light sensor. Uh-huh. So I don't know how it is in the men's, but like in the women's, you open the door and there's like a good one and a half second delay before the light comes on. Yeah, there's a delay sometimes in the men's too, yeah. Uh-huh, so I like kick the door open, wait for the, I will not go in until the light comes on. Yeah. So that, that thought of like, you're at a truck stop, like you have to pee so bad, right? Mm-hmm. You're like in the car, you just want to go. If you're heading towards it and the door just starts to open and it appears like, like no light is coming on, no lights coming in from the moonlight, from the windows. Like mm-hmm. it's just so weird that it was just so black. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't quite understand what maybe it's like a portal. Yeah, who knows? I, I like the variety today, mm-hmm. where it's like all these different kinds of things. It's like there's no rhyme or reason to any of it. So it all, True. All plays by its own rules. Yeah, well, I guess that's life too, right? Hmm. Kind of. You want one more? Yeah, I do. You doing good over there? Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm, good. I'm nice and relaxed. I'm, in, I'm enjoying these today. Okay, good. I mean, I'm do, I enjoy them all the time. But today I'm in an especially like more uh, eager mood for horror, I guess, or just feel myself getting little chills and moments. It's nice. <laughs> I always feel like when, when we are watching a horror series or horror movies more recently, mm-hmm. it like gets me into that mode more. Oh, yeah, that's true. So I kind of liked that we were like watching uh, Stranger Things before going to bed. We're just like weird things are happening and then get up today and then, you know, hear these stories. Mm-hmm. I like it when it's kind of like you just get to uh, immerse yourself in this world a little bit longer. Yeah, that that makes sense to me. I, however, don't love it. <laughs> I was like last night going to sleep. I'm like, okay, don't think about what you saw. Mm-hmm. I know it's crazy how a TV show can just Im- or a movie can just embed thoughts and ideas and scares into your brain. Where it's like you know you're okay. Yeah. You know that what you're seeing on Stranger Things is CGI, is a, you know a creature created by an effects department, a costume department, but it just like but when they do a good job, I know, and, and they don't like you know make you think of that when they just kind of pull you into that world. That's what's so fun about horror to me. Yeah, how immersive it can be, and how like how how it can fuel your imagination and just like yeah make you yeah really f- feel a strong emotion. Mm. Like you know like when you went to bed last night. Normally, uh, if you go to bed before me, whatever. But you were you were like, I'm going to bed. I'm gonna. I'm not. I'm just gonna brush my teeth and go right to bed. You're coming too, right? You're gonna be like, how long are you gonna be? Like, you're just gonna hurry up and go to the bathroom, and you're gonna come right to bed, right? <laughs> yeah. And then you were checking when I was going there. Yep, wanted to make sure that I, you know I was in the room. That was me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did. I did not like that you turned off the hall light. Like you, oh, came, yeah. you came downstairs, uh-huh. and you turned off the hall light, and then went into the restroom yeah, yeah. to brush your teeth. Yep, you checked on that. And I was like, wait, da, 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 leave it on, leave it on. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was pretty creeped out last night. Oh man. Okay, so basements. Like mm-hmm. being afraid of the basement feels like such a common thing that we all understand. Yeah, I, I think uh, even people on the edge pretty skeptical. 
Yeah. Lose a little bit of their courage and vigor when it's like uh, going into a dark basement oftentimes. Mm-hmm. Especially if you have to like walk down the ways like one of those old school basements where there's a hanging light bulb with a uh-huh. string, the little pulley thing. And so you you don't get to flick it on when you first walk down the stairs. You got to go down and then find oh, the light. Yeah. Yeah. That's how ours was. Oof. We had – our stairs were also open on the back. Oh, so like, yep, yep, yep. And there was no light at the top. So I know So you had to mean. shut it off at the bottom. And then you had this like intense, like three second sprint to the top of yeah, the stairs. Yeah, just, just waiting for something to either grab you from behind. Exactly. Or reach between one of the stairs yep. from underneath and grab you. And grab your ankles or yep. something. <laughs> yep, yep, I've been in those. Oh, oh man. Such a terrifying feeling. Yeah. And like when I was prepping this story, I was like, wait a second. I forgot about the years that my bedroom was in the basement that I had zero fear of going down there. I had no problem sleeping down there. I wasn't afraid. But immediately, it could be the middle of the day. If my mom was like, hey, could you run down there and grab this? Something about having to run back up the stairs with it being (laughs) dark behind me. Yeah. I'm like, I sleep down there. What was I afraid of? I don't know. But I did did a similar thing when um, we're out on the boat on the lake and it's dark water. Yeah. And I start swimming back to the boat. Mm -hmm. Once that feeling of panic sets in, that something's coming behind me and it's the most irrational thing, but then I'm going as fast as I can. And and in my mind, it's like, I'm barely going to make it before something that was going to get me just passes like underneath. (laughs) (laughs) Once I start thinking about that, sometimes it's hard to turn it off. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Oh, man. Let's find out what's going on in this basement. Yeah. So uncomfortable. Hey, creeps and peepers. My name's Billy. My wife, Emily, and I love what you guys do. Love the podcast. And we look forward to new episodes every week. She doesn't know that I'm... She doesn't know that I'm sending you this story from my childhood. I told her this story a while back, and it really scared her. She's not the kind of person that scares easily. I try to put the trauma of my childhood behind me, but I find that sharing my story helps me cope with the past and the present. Anyways, enough about me. I want to tell you about what happened in my childhood home in St. Louis. This house wasn't your normal house. It was split into two buildings, one part a home, the other a meat market. We moved into this place when I was about six. I was an only child at the time, so it was just my parents and I. It was the beginning of summer when we moved in, and like all new places, as a kid, I wanted to explore. The house was old, but it was new to me. The old butcher shop had been converted into a two-story townhome. My room was on the lower level, and weirdly, the door to the basement was also in my room. We had a basement that was out of date. Hmm. It was dark and wet, and the only light it had was above the washer and dryer. The first couple of days in the home were great, but quickly things started to get strange. At first, it was my stuff being in different places than where I had left it. Then, it was footsteps of someone who wasn't there, or a voice that called my name off in the distance. Then, things took a turn for the worse. I had nights of waking up, feeling that someone was watching me, followed by nights that felt like someone was sitting at the edge of my bed. I woke up one night to the feeling of hands pushing me up from underneath my bed. I never screamed. I was too terrified that if I made a sound, it would come for me. And when I say it, I mean him. I woke up one night to the sound of the basement door opening. Terrified, my eyes couldn't look away. Little by little, the door would open. A claw-like hand slowly moving from the darkness of the basement and up against the door frame. The hand would tap against the wall like it was waiting impatiently for something. After this, I started to see a man in a butcher's uniform everywhere, Mm. everywhere. I went. I remember helping my mom move some stuff out of a storage unit and seeing him in the corner of my eye down the hallway. 
I turned to look, but he was gone. When I was home, I would always try to find a reason to sleep upstairs. I tried telling my parents what was going on, but they never believed me. They probably thought it was just my imagination, but I know what I saw. One night, I remember waking up from sleeping on the couch and walking to the door that went downstairs to my room. A dark figure was standing at the bottom of the stairs. I quickly closed the door and locked it, but I could hear someone walking up the stairs ever so slowly, one foot at a time. I could hear it reach the top of the stairs and then stop at the door. I ran, I ran back to the couch and hid behind it. I stared at the door, making sure it didn't open. I woke up to my dad asking why I hadn't gone to bed that night. I knew if I did tell him the truth, he'd never believe me. My last interaction with the butcher, as I called him, was when my mom had me go downstairs to the basement to grab some lights. I remember how terrified I was walking to that door and opening it, knowing what was down there. The man that I was seeing everywhere was down there. I mustered up as much courage as I had at the time and slowly went towards the door. I could hear my mom saying something like, there's nothing down there, stop being a scaredy cat. I opened the door and slowly looked around the corner. It was pitch black, down the stairs, and the only light I could see was the one that hung over the washer and dryer. My heart was pumping so hard, it felt like I was going to jump out of my chest. I slowly made my way down the stairs, holding the old metal railing. As I made my way down, I was thinking to myself, why me? I got to the bottom of the stairs and could see the shelf where the lights were. In my seven-year-old mind, I thought, if I'm fast enough, I'll be fine. So I ran as quickly as I could to grab the lights. But then I heard the sound of the basement door latching shut. Oh my God. As if things couldn't get any worse, as I'm turning around to bolt up the stairs, the room went entirely black. I was in full panic mode. I remember screaming, but nothing coming out. My voice had been taken away with fear. I ran in the direction of the stairs, but somehow hit a wall instead. And then I heard it. Whispers in the distance. It got louder and louder. I couldn't quite make out what he was saying, but I knew it was the butcher. I was petrified. I couldn't move. It was like my body was made of stone. I remember thinking to myself, this has to be some kind of nightmare. I'll wake up at any moment. But no, it was definitely real. I could hear the footsteps getting closer and closer to me. I could hear him breathing. It was heavy and raspy, like an old man having a hard time catching his breath. I tried screaming again, but still nothing came out. I tried moving again, but I was still too scared. Out of pure terror that this man or this thing was going to grab me if it got any closer, I put my hands in front of me to feel where I was going, and I ran until I found the stairs. I remember running up the stairs and tripping, terrified that a hand was going to grab me and pull me back down. I reached the top of the stairs, but the door was locked. I kicked and punched the door until it finally popped open. I slammed the door behind me, my mom looking at me. She could see the fear in my eyes, and that was the last time I ever went down there. We moved out after two years of living there, and it was the happiest day of my life. I never saw the man again. I'm 32 now, and I'm still scared to be alone in the dark. I know it could be difficult to believe me, but trust me, I wish I was making this all up. Keep up the good work. Love what you do. Thanks for taking the time to read my childhood story, Billy. 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 That was another, another really creepy one. Oh, man. <laughs> like Logan, you know, just, you know, talked about a second ago about like those that stairs, the stairs in the basements. Logan, how scared would you have been as a seven-year-old oh boy if when you're already freaked out about you're getting ready to race back up those stairs and then like th there's no light in the basement and then you hear that door shut and bolt, bolt lock. Like, yeah. You're I legitimately in. don't know what I would do other than like back into a corner maybe. Yeah. Oh. I think and, I would pass out in fear, just like completely lose it. Right. And then, yeah, now, now I'm picturing like little Logan like backing into a corner. 
and like sitting there completely pitch black. Oh. And then if you heard the whispering and stuff, I wonder if you could like as a kid legitimately have a heart attack. Sure, of course you can. Anyone be, can. From being that scared. Yeah, I don't see why not. Oh. Literally scared to death. Yeah, literally scared. Just the amount of terror you would feel. Uh, yeah, I think it's entirely possible. And then, and then what an interesting old house design. The, I know. The basement door in the bedroom. What I wondered is, is if Billy, after that experience, still had to stay in that bedroom. Oh, my God. Because if I'm in that, I, I would beg my parents to like, can we like put it like like boards, like nail nail boards over the door or something? But I guess if there's the washing machine down there. I know. I couldn't. You can't do that. But I'm like, why, why are you in this b- bedroom? I know. I couldn't quite grasp the layout. So I was trying to yeah. think. It was like, okay, so it was a house that was Oof. split in two. One side was a, a store. Yeah. But then I don't know if it was still. So, it sounds like they might have done some non-code alterations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like take advantage of uh, maybe a space that would normally be just a little area to, uh, I don't know, store stuff or whatever. And it's like, oh, we could convert this into a bedroom mm-hmm. if we block off this hallway. But now you're going to have the basement or a door going to be in this bedroom. Yeah, but it'll yeah. be fine for the kids. Ah. Uh, that's a nightmare setup for a kid. Totally. Because kids are just inherently afraid of basements. Because you're, dar- yeah. you're afraid of dark spaces. And then after that... After that happened, I, I would at the very least, if I'm that kid, I'd, I would for sure be like moving a heavy chair to block that door every night before I go to bed. Yeah. So at least I felt like I have a chance where I'm going to hear the door, the, the thing being moved. Yeah. That's going to wake me up and give me time to run out of the room. Oh my God. I'm so dumb sometimes when- That is terrifying. <laughs> I'm laughing at like the, the chair in front of the door because sometimes yeah. when you're out of town and I have to be in the house by myself. Do you, put, do you block the door? Despite having two dogs and an mm-hmm. alarm and cameras <laughs> I, <laughs> and locks on every door in our house, yeah. I, I will lock the bedroom. I will bring a chair. I'll bring my office oh. chair into our this, – this is so stupid because I bring the chair into our bedroom. Yeah. Lock the door and then bolt like bol- uh, bolster the chair underneath the door. But here's the thing: if some paranormal entity is in our bedroom, I have now made it very difficult for me to get out of the bedroom. But but I also see the fear of intruders. I know. Oh, I, I also sleep with all the lights on in the house except for the bedroom. This this is it's so ridiculous. I turn on every light so that if hmm? if I have to get out of the house in the middle of the night, you can see where you're going. I can see where I'm going. But I keep the lights off in our room, less the salt lamp, so that I can. Still sleep. Yeah. Because I couldn't sleep with all the lights on. Oh, man. I've lost my mind. <laughs> ah, too many uh, scary stories rolling around in your head now. I know. I know. I know. Thankfully, we're, thankfully we're not going to be apart from each other for a while. So <laughs> exactly. I, I feel in my mind, I like do this countdown. I'm like, okay, we're together this week and we're together that week and we're together that week and I don't have to sleep alone until this week. <laughs> and then I start thinking like, where would my girlfriends be that week? Maybe I should go sleep at Liz's house. She has an RV. I could just sleep out in the RV in the show. <laughs> I know, I know when you were a little bit less scared of all this, um, then there would be like, uh, like if I was, if we were going to be together for three weeks mm-hmm. and then be apart, I would have like the first maybe week and a half of that three weeks to possibly watch a horror movie with you. <laughs> but then there was a buffer period where you could, you wouldn't watch any of those too close to when I was going to leave. Right. Now you generally don't want to watch horror movies and j- just period. No, you, what, what we should have done is we yeah. should have been watching horror movies over the summer when we were together mm. every day for three months. Okay. You know? Yeah. So you missed your window. Oh man. Too bad, so sad. Too bad, too bad, so sad. All right. Do you want to do some shout outs? I do. Uh I want to do some uh Annabelle shout outs. Uh yeah, thank you to all the Annabelles that support our uh, show here and allow us to make the donations we make every month and yeah, support our business and all that good stuff. Uh thanks to Emily Simon, Christopher Templeton, Kylie Skigel, Skigel, Paul Jones, 
wound. <laughs> oh boy, it's liquor spelled like the alcohol, uh-huh. so I don't I didn't catch it right. I was about to just read wound liquor. <laughs> All right, uh, Courtney McRae, Azabov, Chaos, uh, Jessica Detmer, Valente Gonzalez, Sierra Reich, Big Daddy D, <laughs> Demi Gregory, Jeremy Stahl, uh, Emma Rowe, Coral Sandstrom, Chris Coronado, or actually it's Corindado. Yeah, Corindado. Uh, Katie, Jack, oh man, Mor- Morel Lock? Mor- no, Jack Morlock. There we go, Jack Morlock. Kylie Rees, Grace Peterson, James Kernan, Samantha Spooks, <laughs> Michael Knight, Sean Elsey, Kyle, uh, Kyle Knight. Oh, and then that's it. Okay. <laughs> that's the end. Okay. And then I have a following Annabelle's as well Tell Maine, Alicia Grant, Brad Howlett, Colin Cook. Jordan S. Brady so- uh, Brady Sawyer Hedgecock, April Zick, Emily Emily in Wisconsin. I almost read that like as a name, <laughs> yeah, like as yeah. in Wisconsin. <laughs> Emily in Wisconsin is that like Emily in Paris? I wonder if that's where you got that. I have a, I have a story set in Wisconsin next week, Emily. Oh well, lucky for her. Mm-hmm. Colt Wood, Chelsea Hand, Cody, mm, good. Gudorf, Gudorf, Shannon Johns, Heather Curtis, Nikki Gilbreth, Devin Hamilton, Katie Hall, DJ Honey. <laughs> DJ Honey. I know, I like it. Chuck Bucket, uh, Jody mm, Descharm, Angela Camarillo Prado, Mackenzie Olson, uh, Jorge and Brittany Lopez, It's Your Mother, Raven Queen. Amanda S. and Bree Thompson. I would love it if It's Your yeah. Mother was actually your mother. Because of all, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like, I don't know who's more scared of our show, your mom or my mom. Right, It'd right. Pretty funny if it was one of them. I'm hung up on DJ Honey. I really like that. What you got? I guess like, uh, DJ Honey, bringing you the sweet sounds of adult contemporary 93.6 FM. Do you think that DJ has heard that so many times? Like, yep, get it. <laughs> Maybe. Right. We got uh, on the next uh, block, we got Kenny G and Michael Bolton coming up with DJ Honey, bringing the sweet sounds to Charlotte, North Carolina, 93.6 FM. Okay. <laughs> it's you, my radio voice. You should, I, know, I was like, what is that? What's happening right now? It's <laughs> my old school radio voice. Old school? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't know if it's that old school. <laughs> I hope you... Uh, what would be the? Um, I, I like the grab the, yeah, the like the, the gravelly. Hope you have some medicine because you're about to get stung by DJ Honey, bringing the sweet sounds. I don't know. <laughs> I hope you've got medicine. <laughs> I don't know what you're supposed to have for a sting. I hope you have some uh, <laughs> cortisone. Hope you have your cortisone cream handy because you're about to get stung. We got DJ Honey in the B block. <laughs> bringing the sweet sounds. Okay. DJ, I'm so sorry. I hope that you're finding this <laughs> as amusing as we are. Okay, I have a few spooky shout outs All right. to Octavia from Mommy. Happy B-Day, Goose Monkey. That's pretty cute. Uh, to the world from Jenna and Scott. We want everyone to know we're having a baby. <laughs> to Crazy from Smalls. Happy anniversary and happy birthday. To Anna from Anna. Happy 40th birthday. None of Anna's friends listen to this show. So she was like, I'm having a shout out. And also, she has a crazy last name that she really wanted you to try and say. <laughs> okay. I forget exactly where she told me she's from. The last name is spelled U-U-S-I-T-A-L-O. U-U-S-I-T-A-L-O. Usitalo? Usitalo? Yeah. Usitalo? Maybe maybe Usitalo? 
UC Talo. UC Talo. <laughs> Uh, to Jennifer from Logan, I love that we've bonded over this show on our first date. To Sam from Sam, happy birthday. And to Paula from your dad, Rory, happy 13th birthday. Oh, happy 13th birthday. 13. 13. That's a big Ooh, one. That's a big one. And that's our show brought to you by The Buzz in Charlotte, North Carolina, 93.6 FM, Charlotte's number one adult contemporary station, DJ Honey. Bringing the sweet sounds of Scared to Death. Thanks for continuing to send in your personal tales of terror to my story of scared to death podcast.com. You can email us for everything else. Info at scared to death podcast.com. Thanks to Logan Keith, his work on social media, and to Logan again for running badmagicmerch.com, official merch store of The Buzz, 93.6 FM in Charlotte. Thanks to producer Sophie Evans for finding today's first story, Olivia Lee and Sarah Finch for assembling the second. Thanks to Logan Keith again for producing and directing today. Producer Tyler C. also helping with production, The Suck Ranger. Thanks to Zach Cohen for custom soundbed creation, Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails, to book editor Drew Atana for polishing and preparing listener stories for book number four. Enjoy your nightmares, creeps and peepers. Head to badmagicmerch.com to grab tickets for Just Scared to Death Live, Haunted Halloween, True Tales of Halloween's Eve Horror 2. Stories that will only be told Thursday, October 27, 6 p.m. Pacific Time on The Buzz, 93.6 FM in Charlotte. Hope you're scared to death. Bye. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through, but have no home here within scared to death. Bad Magic Productions. DJ Honey, bringing you the sweet sounds of adult contemporary 93.6 FM. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff, like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's OMRI certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. If you're on a GLP-1, you're probably loving the results. But how do you feel? All of those side effects can take a toll. So now what? Get to GNC. We'll help with solutions to address those side effects and keep you going on your journey. GNC. 